Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we get together on a monthly basis and talk leadership. Uh, we believe when the leader gets better, everyone gets better. And before we jump in today, um, we really have something special coming up this week that we do not want you to miss. It's the Climb Leadership Conference. This is our annual leadership conference, and I really believe pastors, leaders, this is so important for you to get encouraged, inspired, refreshed, because if you're not growing, um, if you're not moving forward, if you're not progressing uh, the mission that you have, then you're just headed backwards. There's no such thing as neutral. So I really think, we really think it's important for pastors and leaders to unplug, to get out of what's normal for you and to get away for a couple of days and get encouraged and get energized and see something new. So that's the Climb Leadership Conference. Coming up this week, January 23rd through the 25th, speakers, the guests that'll be here are amazing. You do not wanna miss it. Plano, Texas, if you are anywhere close, make sure you get here and visit us at climbconference.com. We'd love to have you as our guest at this conference. Now, as we jump in uh, to our round table for this week, um, we're here talking about evaluating the past and then scenario planning for the future and how we can be intentional in our churches and organizations and in, in, in planning for what God has for us in the new year, in the new quarter. So we've got some tools that we want to go through today to do that. So I've got none other than the uh, Dr. Pastor Conway Edwards with us today. How you doing? Man, I am excited. Thanks for hosting again, and it's just a great time. Looking forward to it. I think we're going to have some fun today, and I think we're going to help some pastors today because the tools we use here, I think, are incredibly beneficial. It's helped us, and so we want to pass some of these resources that we have on to other pastors, ministry leaders, so that we can become a little more effective uh, at taking the gospel ball and moving it forward. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm also also excited about the conference coming up next week. Uh, I think it's going to be great. You do not want to miss it. I've got five of my dearest friends who will come and share, preach, teach, pontificate, all of the above. It's going to be amazing. Looking forward to that. If you can get here, get here. If you can't afford it, we'll bless you. It'll be free for you if you can't. I probably shouldn't have said that, but yeah, that's not, all right. Yeah, not on the podcast. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll God's, God's been gracious to us. We can bless other people too. Awesome. Before we jump in, yeah. this is an episode you need to go download the show notes. So go to visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable because we've got some amazing resources we're going to go through today before Pastor Conway jumps in. Make sure you go download that so that you can follow along with everything we're talking about today and not miss one bit of this. You bet. Uh, one of the things we do, some people don't know this, Pastor Matt, is we've got about 400 systems of different every area of our church that we do. And so today, as we evaluate the past and try to forecast what might happen in the future, we've got some tools to do that. We've got, we're going to show you four of them today. And I think they're all critical in looking back and seeing what God has done, where we are, honestly, and then uh, next time we'll meet, we're going to talk about how do you how do you try to predict what God might be doing in the future, and how do we try to catch the wave that He's um, created, and how we how we can ride it the best we know how. So here we go. Come on, let's go. So the first one is the seven cycles of a church. We want to be able to evaluate where we are as a church. Now this is a tool that we've learned from another leader. From um, his name's Tony Morgan. He's wrote written a book called The Unstuck Church. And uh, it's important for us to know the seven cycles and to also be able to identify where we are so that we can see where we're going. So 
So Pastor Conway, could you walk us through, you know, kind of it all begins with the launch phase and how we progress through this as we grow in our organizations? Yeah, I think it's huge. We just started using this one uh, as the first layer of evaluation when we look at our church and ask ourselves some questions real honestly. And so if you don't have Tony Morgan's book, you probably need to go get it because we think it's it's critical in evaluating where you are as a church and just having your leadership team speak honestly about where you are. And there's some tests in there you can take as well. But he gives us seven cycles. Cycle number one, obviously, is launch. Cycle number two is the momentum growth phase. Cycle number three is the strategic growth phase. That's where uh, people are needing discipleship, new systems, new discipline, clear next steps. And how do you get people to live on mission? That's the strategic phase. And then you have the sustained health phase, which is where you're reproducing other churches, where you're planting churches, you're adding campuses, you're coming up with new locations. And then the maintenance phase, which is where you focus on implementations. You now try to get back to being an outward focused church. And then the preservation phase, where we're just holding on, we're, we're not growing, we're, we're actually dying. And now we're trying to figure out how do we preserve um, what we have. And then the life support phase, which is where the church is really looking bleak. And they're trying to figure out, do we need to be bought by somebody else? Do we need to close the doors? So on and so forth. The preservation phase, though, Pastor Matt, number six is 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 really cr a critical phase for churches because most of the time uh, churches are dying and they don't know it. Let's talk a little bit about that. It, 10% of you church leave for one reason or another. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, because you've done a little bit of work there. Tell us a little bit about that whole 10% are going to leave. So you've got to have the same attendance That's right. uh, uh, over the year in first time guests. Talk to us a little bit about that. So yeah, if, if, if in our churches, we're just maintaining, we're really going backwards because what statistics show us is 10% of our churches are going to, 10% of our people are going to leave within a year. That could be they're leaving because they move. It could be leaving because they had a family emergency. could be they're leaving because they're mad at you for some reason. It could be any reason. It could be something they're going through. But stats show us that 10%, if you just go on cruise control, every year you're going to lose 10%. Of your church so you're dying if you're just cruising in neutral so what we have to do as leaders is we have to figure out how can we overcompensate the way we do that uh, at our church is we we've calculated what you need to do throughout a year and what you need to do is if your church attendance is say a hundred people and you're going to lose 10 percent, that means you're going to be down to 90 people at the end of the year so what you want to do with that hundred is you need that hundred to be your goal for first-time guests at your church in any given year. Here's why. Because if you have roughly 100 guests, you're gonna stats are gonna show you that you're gonna keep about 10% of your guests. So if you match your attendance with first-time guests, then you'll be then just really hitting neutral. It's then if you go above and beyond that. So whatever you're, if you're, if you're at 100 people and you invite 100 throughout, uh, throughout the year, then uh, you'll be maintaining neutral. If you go above that and you get 110 first-time guests throughout a year, then you might gain 20 people. And then throughout the year after you lose your
That's right. And also, in addition to that, you have to remember that we only keep 10% of the people that come as guests. Now, if you're really good at assimilation and if you're really good at first-time guests and managing them at first impressions, then maybe you get up to 20%. But the the, the, the stats tell us that about 10% is what you gain, which means we've got to work that much harder to gain and increase that number of first-time guests coming in so that we can uh, see people win to Christ and see people grow in Christ. So that's just one of the things, especially with preservation that I think we've just got to remember that and use that as a tool to help us motivate, inspire, and and and, and get passionate about winning people to Christ and growing people up in Christ. Any of these you want to zoom in on, Pastor Matt? Well, I really think when yeah. I look at this chart, I've heard you talk before. I see two things on this chart. I've heard you talk about the difference between pioneers and settlers. Mm. And uh, I think as we're going up this chart, we have a pioneer spirit. We are taking new land. We are excited. We are charging. We are doing whatever we can to be innovative. We are trying to reach people at all costs. Um, and then something happens when we crest over the top of this where we start to preserve and become a settler. And, and you've probably experienced this where all of a sudden, instead of pioneering, you are now more concerned about uh, the color of the chairs in your church, about the lines that you have vacuumed in the carpet. You get so concerned. We get so concerned about everything, about just maintaining what we have, that we lose the pioneer spirit. And um, we've got to figure out how when we get to the top of this, that we do something to reignite a spark in us to, to start pioneering again and make ourselves uncomfortable and give ourselves the passion that we had when we first got started of reaching people. No, I think that's huge. And I think what, what, what gets churches after the launch phase going, blowing and growing, excuse me, is the whole idea of this of this founder's mentality, which which has an obsession toward the front line, the people who are coming in the doors. And there's this passion to make sure people have a great experience. There's this, this owner's mindset that says everything matters. We have to create great environments. We have to pray harder than we've ever prayed before. We've got to do more outreach than we've ever done before because the founder's mindset is, I will do whatever it takes because I care about lost people being found and I care about found people growing in Christ. What happens over time is then is then managers take over or or bureaucrats take over and they forget this this whole front line obsession. The fact that we've got to make sure we're listening to the needs of those who are coming in the doors. And we then start to focus on on myself and ourselves as leaders and what we have. And so we lead to the, usually to the the oldest person in the crowd or the oldest person in our congregation. And then we become managers. And over time, we for, we forget or outward focus. And because of that, we usually start going into maintenance mode, preservation mode, and life support. And so we just have to remember uh, why we started and focus in on an obsession for the front line, people who are coming in for the first time, uh, an obsession for prayer, dependency, trust, and believing God to do great things, and an obsession of a passion to see lost people come to Christ. And so those are some of the things I think that will help us move and maintain. So when we look at this chart, we ask ourselves, where are we at now? Where are we trending? And then what are the next steps we need to do in our evaluation process to make sure we begin another S-curve going up as opposed to start tracking down to maintenance, preservation, and life support? I got to ask you a question. Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> 
Uh, about a year ago or so, we had one of what many people would call uh, the most successful Easter's we've ever had. If you're just measuring numbers and attendance, we had one of the, the biggest Easter's we've ever had at our church. And then we came in for our, our leadership core team meeting <laughs> the day, two days after Easter, and everybody was on cloud nine about what had just happened, but you came in with a little different mission. And um, could you tell us a little bit about how you came in and why you came in, why that was so important? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things, <laughs> uh, so usually uh, after, after great, God does something miraculous in our presence, uh, I, I usually have to ask the question, okay, um, how did we get here? And what, what's God doing here? And so oftentimes I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting, asking God, what are you doing? How did we get here? And so coming into that meeting after that Easter, I, I simply asked the question to God. I'm saying, okay, God, what's up? And I just got an overwhelming sense that, that, our, that the habits that got us to where we were um, was not going to get us to the next level because I thought we had a few people that had great habits that God used to propel us the way we were, but the habits weren't embedded all the way through the organization. So my 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 um, very humble talk at that time was that God God blessed us beyond our capability and beyond our capacity. And if we wanted him to bless us at the next level, whether that's one year from now or 10 years from now, then we, we, we just have to get better across the organization, across the church, of having healthy habits that will sustain whatever God might want to do. Because he, the, the potential is there for him to give us too much, and it causes us to crack unless we're healthy enough and can and can sustain and maintain what he's blessing us with. So my concern and my my talk in that moment was do we have the habits to sustain us and to sustain what God has already given us and then perhaps even if he wants to go further do we have the capacity and the the internal discipline to handle whatever he might want to do next. So I think some people weren't we're, we're a little shocked that I was not as excited as everybody else was. Well, I don't think it really came across as gentle as you just shared with those <laughs> listening with us. Um, <laughs> but I think really what happened was you were creating a sense of urgency and realness. And most people were ready to celebrate and just let's all just have a, a, a praise party. Right. But it was, no, we've got a sense of urgency. Um, and we did have a little party. We did have a little. But it you're right. Yeah, it wasn't right. just as as long as some people perhaps wanted it to be. <laughs> so, but yeah. <laughs> but wherever you are, you've got to figure out uh, how am I not going to start going down? Yeah. And even if you think you're at four or wherever that might be on this curve, um, you 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 think you're at sustained health. If you're not doing something to reignite and get the curve back going up with growth, then you're going to you cannot stay in neutral. There is no such thing. So figure out where you're at and how you can get the curve going up again. And so one of the things that we do to do that is we ask the question, uh, what's, our, 
What's our strategic evaluation tool? How do we evaluate our strategies? How do we evaluate our teams, what we call congregations or student ministry or middle school, high school, or elementary ministry uh, or adult services or different campuses? How do we evaluate that? And that becomes a critical process. And we use a tool, again, it's not ours, but somebody gave it to us and we found it extraordinarily helpful. That's simply ask, what are you doing that's right? What are you doing that's wrong? What's missing and then what's confused? What's confusing? And so when you ask the question, what's right? And then you just list out, hey man, what are we doing well? What does God seem to be using greatly? What is it that we we don't have to, to manufacture energy about, but people just love it? Then we, we we say, okay, let's amplify those things. Let's let's blow them up. Let's let's do them even better this next time. So that's what's right. Then we ask the question, what's wrong? What's what's not working? What do we have to kind of say, hey guys, come on, let's do this together? Um what are, we, what are we doing that the, the energy is so low, it demands all of us to pull on together to make, it, to make it a fun experience? So then we say, okay, let's fix those. Then we ask, what's missing? Uh, when we look at our next steps process, when we look at our processes, is there, is there too big a step that somebody needs to take? What's missing that we need to add? And then the last one is, what's, con- what's confusing? Is there anything that we're doing that the insiders know intuitively, but the outsiders or people who are new to a church, it's just confusing to them. And do we need to clarify any of those? And do we need to re reevaluate them to see how we can make it a little simpler than it currently is? And this tool, Pastor Matt, has been, has been monumental in our church to have honest discussions around how do we really ask and answer the hard questions so that we can get better over time. And tell me, what what level of leaders doing this? Is this the number one leader? Is it the executive team? Is it team leaders? Is it frontline volunteers? Or is it everyone? Yeah, and so all the frontline volunteers are doing this and asking everyone else for input into how how their ministry areas are going. So whether it's our communion team, whether it's our, our overseers, whether it's our elementary team, they're using and getting all their volunteers together and getting healthy feedback from them and saying, hey, tell us what you think we can do better. Uh, tell us what you think we do well. Tell us what you think is missing. Tell us what you think is confusing. And they all bring that kind of an insight back, and then they bring that up to our executive team from the different areas. And now we can have a holistic perspective on how our church is doing as a whole. And then even, we'll talk about this when we talk about strategic future, and then how do we need to reallocate resources to um, leverage what we're doing right, to fix what we're doing wrong, to solve what's confusing and what's missing. So that's kind of how we pull that off. What are your thoughts? Well, I think um, I think it's real easy for leaders, for us to lose sight of what's happening on the front lines. Mm-hmm. We can get so caught up on vision and what we're doing and leading the highest level leaders that this tool gives us an opportunity to see what's really happening on the front lines of ministry, the front lines of our organizations, and um, keeps us in tune with reality so that we don't miss reality so that there, there's a good chance that there's problems, that there's issues, that there's things that are confused about in your church leader that you don't even know about, that others are confused about, others are talking about that you don't even know about. And you think you do know, but you're missing some of the things that are a few levels down below you. So this tool will give you a chance to go through and get a, a comprehensive perspective from everyone and how you can grow as a as an entire organization. So I, I think that's valuable at every level to go through and work through this. 
All right, so let's look. I think we should look at only one more. We said four initially, but I think we can only do three. We'll continue it next week. All right. So we'll do a little bit of the evaluation next week, one more tool that we use, and then we'll kind of show you our three or four forecasting tools that we use for greater effectiveness to seek and take advantage of unique opportunities to have resources that we might not even know where we're going to use it yet, but maybe God shows us an opportunity that we have to, that we have to take advantage of. But I really love our 10 metrics that we use to evaluate health and our lead and lag uh, results. So, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about this whole lead and lag? A lot of people know about it, but just perhaps somebody has not yet heard about it. So let's talk about that and let's show them the 10 metrics we use. So most of us work through goals and and we, we set a goal, an attendance goal, a number of people in small groups goal, a first-time guest goal. We set these goals, uh, but we don't necessarily always do all the work that leads into accomplishing those goals. And a lot of times when we get to measure the goal, whatever it is, and we wonder why in the world did we not get there? We haven't done the work. We haven't put in the work. So the lag goal is, uh, lag is something that happens. You measure a result after whatever has happened has happened, after the church event, the conference, whatever it is. But the lead measures are things you do to get to that result. So if your goal is to have uh, whatever your attendance goal is, let's say it's a thousand people at church this weekend. Uh, one of your lead measures might be, well, we need to go out and personally invite 150 new people this week. We might need to send a mailer out to a thousand people. We might need to pass out 250 flyers. And what you've done is you've given yourself a system and a process to achieve the goal that you want to measure on the end. So you've got to have good lead measures and lead goals if you even have a chance of sniffing out what your lag goal or your result is. So these are all ways, this is 10 metrics we measure to help identify, are we going to get to the lag, the results that we want to get? Another way to look at it is you can control the lag. That's 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 what God does. What you can do is you can you can do a healthy input and you can have, here's what I can do. And then you let God determine what he wants to do. And so the lead measure is what you can do. I can spend 30 minutes in prayer every day. And then you let God determine what the results of that might be. And so and so that's how we kind of use them. So let's give that's them some, some lead uh, measures that we evaluate uh, to determine how healthy or unhealthy we might be at a particular time or a particular ministry. Right. So the first one is a secret guest survey. Some call this a secret shopper, and it's getting people to come into your environment, and you know what your goal is. One of the first ways you can have, one of the best ways you can have a little window into that is by having secret shoppers and secret guest surveys and having somebody come in that is totally objective to what you're doing and figure out how did the kids' ministry work? How did your guest services team work? How, how was the preaching? How was the worship? Was it too loud? Was it too quiet? Were the bathrooms clean? And what you can do is you can begin to have a metric where you measure from an objective source and you might need to pay somebody and it doesn't matter. It is worth it because anybody on your team that you try to have do this, um, they're a little bit biased. So you've got to have an unbiased perspective to come in and evaluate secretly and anonymously how you're doing in many areas of your church. No, that's good. So the, the next one we use is the first-time guest surveys. Uh, I think that's a, a huge benefit that a lot of people leave out after we get any guests coming to our church. We send them a survey and we say, hey, just tell us a little bit about your experience. How was it? What does it look like? What did it feel like? Where areas can we do better? What did you like the most? What didn't you like? And you get a fresh pair of eyes looking at 
what you look at every single day. And so a lot of things that happen, we just say, okay, that's how we do it. But it might be offensive to a first-time guest. It might be uh, uncomfortable for them. So we try to seek out how we can get better over time. And the next one we do is a facility audit. So one of the things I think you're especially good at, and we're training our team to be good at here, is uh, on Sunday, on Monday after church, just getting a fresh set of eyes walking through your building or your facility or the school you meet in, the hotel you meet, whatever you have to do to walk through uh, and freshly see what's going on. Because I think, I don't know if it's a stat, I, I, I hear, most statistics are made up, but after you walk by something, I think you say three times, it becomes normal. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I have a particular passion for this only because in college I did a little bit of landscaping. And so I care deeply about your your curb appeal when you drive up. What does it feel like? What does it look like? Depending on the community you're in, if that's normal for the community you're in, for your, your curb appeal to be a big deal, then you've got to make sure it is. And as you walk through, when you see paint on the, you know, chips in the paint, all the kind of stuff, it, it if you walk by that enough, it'll become normal. So just have a fresh eye looking at that. Make sure you evaluate your experience well because people will judge you based on how you take care of that facility or you don't take care of that facility. And they will argue, if you can't take care of the facility, why would I ever entrust my soul to you? So that's a big one. So my questions for our listeners are, how many of you have ever been to a gas station bathroom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And the feeling you have when you have to stop at a gas station to go to the bathroom versus going to a bathroom at a Ritz-Carlton. It's a totally different experience. And it communicates how you feel and how you, how you feel about your guests and your customers and um, how intentional you are about that. So be intentional. It makes a difference and it communicates. Uh, the next one is member interviews. And that's... Uh, we regularly talk to members of our church here, and what we're doing is at every level of membership, from a new member to a member who's been here 10 years, just asking how your experience has been. How did you like X? How was your experience at Y? What was, what was that event like for you? Yeah. And trying to get a fresh set of eyes from the members of our church who are bought in partners here. The next one is the, the small group attendance. This is big for us because people come to a church for the preacher, but they stay at a church for the relationship. So for us, the percentage of people in our church that are in community groups that are doing life together because we believe life change happens best in the context of community. So therefore, we want people to be connected. If you want people to be in the key to engagement is making sure people are connected. And so we care about them being connected. So we look at the number, the percentage of people who, who are, who said they're a member of a church, and then the percentage of people who are in life groups or community groups. And we always want to see that number tracking up because we know that the more they're connected with like-minded individuals, the more healthier they become as Christians and the more healthier our church becomes because people are doing life together. Great. Number six on here is attendance trends. And really, you can track, and you've probably already done this, trends of when attendance is up, when attendance is down, how you can plan for that. And what I want to really encourage you with, if you know there's trends of when attendance is going to be down, don't just be okay with that. Yeah. Figure out what can I do if I know attendance is down in this season? Well, then what can I do to bring it back up? Yeah. How can I not be okay with that? Because a salesman at a car dealership, if he knows... Sales are going to be down on a certain month. 
He's going to go above and beyond to send out mailers, to do more to invite people in. He's going to do whatever he can to overcompensate. So don't just be okay with it. Think, what kind of event can I do? What can I do at my church? What what kind of ceremony can I have? Or what kind of event will bring people in when they're normally leaving out? How can we encourage people to invite their friends and families to church? Here's something basic that we do. Uh, And I don't know where we learned this. We learned this earlier on that. On July 4th weekends is when we do our baby dedication. On uh, Memorial Day weekends is when we either do baptisms. But we do something where other people invite their friends on our low Sundays so that we are engaging people. And people are already in town on July 4th, so it's a natural time for them to bring their families to them get baptized. So just get creative with, with okay, this is naturally a season when, when people go on vacations, when people go and do trips together. So what can we do to capitalize on people coming in town to then invite them to church to, to share in a special occasion? So I do think that's a very good insight, Pastor Matt. The next one is per capita giving, which is where we evaluate what is it, what does what does the average person in our church give and then how we try to compare that with the next one, which is family income in our community, and try to figure out what is what's the what's the average household income for our community, and then what does the per capita given in our church looks like, and then we compare it with other churches to see what does that per capita church look like, and that sometimes lead us to doing a little more uh, teaching on giving that perhaps lead us to. Uh, ask the question, are there easier ways that we can give people opportunities to give? Or should we start a class to show people the importance of stewardship, perhaps a Dave Ramsey class or to do twice a year, uh, but something like that to, to determine what is it that's causing people to give more and in their generosity, or why is there a lag in giving, and how can we how can we teach people and shepherd people through that opportunity to uh, to be a blessing as God has blessed them? That's right. And the next one is conversion trends, and we've we're we're intentional with measuring not just salvations, not many how many people raise their hand, not how many people fill out a card, but how many people from when they do that to to going through a spiritual growth class to actually getting baptized where they're going public and saying, you know what, uh, I want to tell the world that I believe in Jesus. So we're we're measuring not just guests, but how many how many uh, be- new believers, how many baptisms, how many people are finding new life in Christ in our church, and that should be a big percentage. And it shouldn't just be kids. It should be kids, students, and adults at every level measuring and setting goals of of how we're trying to trust God to see new people find life in Christ. That's incredible. And then lastly, we do or or giving versus budget trends uh, year over year. What did we budget? What did we what did we actually bring in? And we try to evaluate that based on the weekly process as well as based on year over year. Are we up? Are we down? Why is that? Is is it is it giving us an indication that we're unhealthy in a certain particular way? Are we are we trending that or people are becoming uh, a little more frugal in their giving, and why would that be? And it just it forces us to ask some questions, and then it might force us to have some conversations with some of the people on our team, some of our givers, to see what what might be problematic and how can we address it if it needs to be addressed. Another great set of tools, 10 metrics to evaluate your church's health. We've talked about the right, wrong, missing, and confused. And then we've also talked about the seven cycles of a church. Make sure you download these, get the show notes. Thank you, Pastor Conway, for being with us today. Come on, love it. For love those it, it. listening, we want to thank you for joining in. 
want to encourage you, whether you're listening on uh, on your podcast app or on Google Play, wherever you're listening, to please, if this has been helpful to you, leave us a review or set a rating for us. That would be extremely helpful in getting the word out. Also, go to our webpage, visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. And again, we want to remind you, our leadership conference is January 23rd through 25th. We'd love to have you as a guest. You can get all the details at climb.com climbconference.com. Thank you again. We'll see you next month. Have a great, great month as you start your year in a great direction.